About a month ago, uh, my bike was stolen off of my front porch. Um, usually I lock it. I forgot that night. Woke up the next morning to ride down here for work, and it was gone. Uh, it was registered with the uh, Elizabeth City Police Department, so I filed a report, posted it on Facebook, had lots of people trying to look out to see if they could find and spot my bike, and I've been looking for it everywhere. I'm like on any bike, I'm, when I'm driving down the, the road, it's like bike radar, and my head's just looking to see if I can find it. Uh, well, last night, um, I was went to the post office, and I was on my way to Food Line, driving down Erring House. And I see this guy riding down the sidewalk on the other side of the street on my bike. I'm like, oh, no, that, there it is. Is that the guy who took it? Like, what's going on? So I pull my phone out. I pull over behind Pizza Hut. My, my hand's shaking. Like, my heart's racing. I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? I'm trying to find the number that the, the officer who took my information gave me to call. And I finally find it. And I'm on the phone with dispatch. And my heart's beating a mile a minute. And I'm just like, it's like I'm just following a guy who has my bike. But I was scared. And... Uh, so I'm tracking him all over, uh, up and down Airing House, and he's turning and weaving in different places, stopping and visiting people, and I'll lose him at one point, and then I'll find him again, and then uh, well, finally the, uh, I, I, I lost him for the second time. And that's when the, the police finally show up, and I tell them where, uh, where he was headed and that I'd lost him. Well, two different officers show up, which, by the way, I knew from playing kickball. So maybe something good came out of that, that experience. <laughs> well, uh, they take off and go try to find him. I go around and, 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 and try to search for him in case he recognized this weird guy following him and slowly in a truck up and down Airing House. Uh, well, finally they find him. And this is what the, the officer says as, as, I, uh, as they approached approach him and had me come up. Um, they said, look, we know this guy. Um, uh, we never have had any any trouble out of him. He's saying that he he borrowed this bike from somebody else, and uh, and we believe him, um, and that we believe what he's he's saying. So what we're going to do is we're going to follow him uh, to where he borrowed the bike and see if we can get any more information. Um, so here we go. This long caravan. Man on my bike, canine officer in her car, another cop in his car, me in my truck, slowly cruising around Elizabeth City. Uh, we get to this other house. They go up and talk to them. Again, same thing. Look, we've never had any trouble out of these guys. I don't think they're the ones who stole it. They bought it from somebody else. Uh, the investigation is ongoing. Um, but... Th- this is the interesting thing that, that has come out as I'm reflecting on this situation. The cops, the way that relationships work, uh, they knew this man. They knew of his, his character. They, they knew of, of how he had acted and responded in the past. So in light of them knowing who he is and how he had acted in the past... They knew how to evaluate his promises and his word in the present. And that informed how they acted in the middle of that situation. 
that happens for us too. It's the way relationships work. Think, think about like with your, uh, with one of your one of your friends, who uh, you uh, who you know um, uh, never never gets sick, is never down, is never sad, is always uh, joyful and looking on the, the positive side of things. Uh, you know this about them, and then you, you sit down uh, to talk with them, and you see that they are just torn up. You, you realize to, that you, it's time to sit and listen and find out what's going on because of who I know them to be and how I've seen them respond in the past. This must be a serious and significant thing of what I'm seeing now, of what they are telling me is going on with their heart and their emotion. I should believe them. And what they're saying. And I should act and respond in such a way now in the present based on who I know them to be, how they've acted in the past, and what they're saying now. Um, it shouldn't surprise us that that is the way our relationship should play out with our Heavenly Father. And we're going to see as we continue through, through Genesis that dynamic at play. Who God is. What He's done in the past. What He's promised. And how those things inform our actions in the present. Uh, So, if you would look with me in Genesis. We are in chapter 24 as we continue our journey through this book together. That's on page 17, if you're following along in one of the Black Bibles. And this is a very long chapter. Uh, and there's um, some recounting of the same events and retelling. So uh, where that happens, I'm going to uh, skip over that during our reading. I'll refer back to some of the, the details in it as we're going on. But uh, I will... You, can, you might want to later go back and read the, the whole thing, but um, I will, uh, I'll follow through and, and summarize where, where needed. Uh, so we're going to pick up in verse 1 of chapter 24. Remember last week, Sarah died, um, and so uh, now it's just uh, Abraham, Isaac, and, and their, uh, their household of servants and Who's, who's left. So verse 1 of chapter 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and Yahweh had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by Yahweh, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, "Uh, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me back to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. Yahweh, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, And from the land of my kindred, who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. 
He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you'll be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning the matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Yahweh, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I say, I shall say, please let your jar down that I may drink, and who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had, before he had finished, finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young, the young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink for your jar, from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether Yahweh had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing uh, a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped Yahweh and said, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, Yahweh has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms. And heard the words of Rebekah, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of Yahweh. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. So then the servant just recounts everything that has happened from the conversation with Abraham up to his encounter with Rebekah. Uh, and so we'll pick up back in uh, um, uh, verse uh, 50. Um, or verse 49. So uh, he says, Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. 
And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left, as if are you going to give Rebekah to be Isaac's wife? Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from Yahweh. We cannot speak to you good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as Yahweh has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before Yahweh. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave her brother and her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. And when they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, "Ah, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since Yahweh has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her young woman uh, arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went on his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to her servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Rebekah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. You know we struggle to walk in the way that you have called us to walk. We wrestle with your promises, have doubts and questions. We pray this morning. You would use your word to reassure us of who you are as the God who has called us and the work you are doing in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we pick up with Abraham's story this morning. Uh, remember, we have seen a lot. Abraham has been a man who has not always been the perfect picture of faithfulness, as we've seen. Although, uh, in Scripture, we would recognize Abraham as a man of faith. We have seen it has been a progression. We've seen him struggle and wrestle to depend and trust on the Lord. Um, we've seen him grow and mature and develop till we saw what happened a couple weeks ago with uh, um, him depending and resting in, in God alone with uh, the sacrifice of uh, potential sacrifice of, of Isaac. Here, um, after Sarah's death, Abraham is, is, well, he's closer to death now than he was to his birth at this point, obviously. Um, but we're, we're winding down uh, the story of Abraham. He's not going to be mentioned much after this. We'll just hear of his death. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to see in this passage a man who has, who has wrestled with who God is, his faithfulness to his promises, as he looks to what God has promised him and what lies before, how he responds in this situation, how he walks with his God and follows him. Um, 
I think as we look at Abraham's life, all of us can identify with Abraham's struggles, with the questions that we have. Is God at work? What's he doing now? Will he be at work in the future? Can, can I trust him to be with me? Those questions are going to come up. So let's look and see uh, how Abraham responds. Because remember, what he's, uh, Sarah's died. Isaac's the, the son that's left. God's given him this, these promises that uh, Abraham says. And he uh, recounts it in the, the beginning um, of uh, uh, to, to go find a, a wife for Isaac. Because the, uh, the promise is going to continue. Isaac must have children. Um, and so he, he mentions this and he says this to the servant. What we want to look at is to see how where Abraham starts is with a recognition and an acknowledging of who God is. Notice in verse 3, uh, the end of verse 2 and verse 3, is he's sending out this, uh, this servant. Abraham says to him, Put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by Yahweh, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take my wife from uh, you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the, of the Canaanites, but you will go to the, the country uh, where uh, my kindred's from. And and the servant questions. Hold on, hold on. Well, what if it doesn't work? What if she she doesn't want to come? Abraham says this um, in verse seven. Yahweh, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Uh, later, in, over in verse 40, as the, the servant is recounting Abraham's words to him, he adds this to give us a fuller picture of what Abraham said uh, uh, in verse 40. Yahweh, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and will prosper your way. So notice what's, what's going on here. In the, in the face of the questions that the servant has about will the Lord be faithful to his promises, where does Abraham go? Abraham starts... By going to who God is and who he knows him to be. Notice how he starts that. In verse 3, Yahweh, the God of heaven and the God of earth. Remember, when you see all caps, L-O-R-D or G-O-D in all caps, it's referring to the covenant name of God. We've seen throughout Genesis what that is telling us. This is the God, the covenant God who makes covenant and who keeps covenant. Abraham starts there. We can't forget, servant, that this is the God that I serve. The God who makes covenant and keeps covenant. He also says he's the God of heaven and the God of earth. We've seen that he's the one who created everything. When he was done creating, there was nothing left for any other God to do. He's the God of heaven. That means whatever his will is and his purposes are in heaven, he will carry those out unthwarted. He rules over heaven. He's the God of earth. That means his purposes and his intentions and his will as he carries it out. He is active on this earth, doing and accomplishing his purposes. This is the God that we serve. All that he has intended, all that he says, he has authority and power to carry out what he's going to do. 
And because of who He is, that should inform what we're doing. But He he also goes and He says, look, um, Abraham also says, in light of who this God is, let me remind you of what he's done in the past, how he's been active in my life. Notice where, where he goes when the servants question. Abraham points him not just to, to who God is, but he reminds him of how God has been at work in the past. In verse 7, Yahweh, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. Abraham is pointing us back to, really, he's summarizing his whole story of what has happened up to this point and how we have seen God active in Abraham's life. This is, how, this is who we know God to be. This is how we've seen him active in the past. Remember, he, he brought me out of my land, my, the home of my kindred. He brought me to Canaan. This servant, it says, the oldest in his household. This is a guy who's most likely been with Abraham from the beginning or close to the beginning. We don't know if this is Eleazar who was mentioned before from Damascus, but it's definitely somebody who's been with Abraham a long time. Abraham's reminding him of God's faithfulness. And in fact, Moses here is reminding us of what we've seen through Abraham's story. How does it begin as God called Abraham out of, uh, out of Ur? He promised him what? That he would bless him that he might be a blessing, that he would make his name great, that he would give him offspring, he would give him the land. How do we see God, the the beginning of this passage start? In verse 1, Yahweh had blessed Abraham in all things. The things that God had promised in the past, he's, he's beginning to fulfill. What he swore and when he spoke to Abraham, he gave him these promises. And Abraham has seen these things fulfilled. In fact, over in uh, verse 35, as the servant is recounting how God has been active in Abraham's life in the past, he says, Yahweh has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. We're hearing reiteration of the phrases and the terminology of what God has promised, seeing that in the past he has been faithful to do what he said. Uh, And even as the the servant goes on, Sarah, my master's wife, bore him a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. Abraham is looking back and he's saying, all right, my servant, I know you're struggling and wondering whether God will will actually prosper your way as you move forward and you go back to the land of my kindred. But realize this. Reflect on who God is. Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. We've seen how he's acted in the past. We know what he's promised. He has said, I'm going to give this, I'm going to bless your offspring. I'm going to be their God and I'm going to give them this land. Therefore, Isaac must have a daughter. I mean, a wife. He must have a wife so that he must have have children. We've seen how we have struggled in the past to put things into our own strength. When we've tried to to go and and do it ourselves. You remember what happened to me when I went to Egypt and tried to do it myself? Disaster. You remember what happened when Hagar was around and I tried to do it myself? Disaster. You remember what happened when we met up with Abimelech? 
and I tried to take it in my hands again, disaster. We're not going the disaster route again. Do not take Isaac back there. We will rely on trust in God. And based on who he is and how we've, what we've seen him do, we, can, we will act now in faith. You're going back to the land of my kindred. You're going back to where I came from. We're not taking a wife for Isaac from this land. Abraham is showing us an aspect of what it looks like to faithfully walk with God. To, to live life in relationship with God. Constantly reflecting on who He is, what He's done, and what He's promised to enable and inform how we move forward and act in this world. But notice, notice what happens. Abraham does this as he communicates it to the servant. Now what do we see the servant do? Well, in verse 10 we see the servant goes. In light of his, his questions... He goes. He takes action. And notice what we see happening. Um, as soon as he gets there in, uh, back to Ur, in verse 12, what do we see him doing? We see him pray. Notice how he begins to pray. O Yahweh, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. That term steadfast love comes up several times. But notice... Notice what he's, he's doing. Based on what Abraham's told him about the character of this God, he's responding appropriately. Abraham has told him, look, the God of this earth who acts and works in the world, he will prosper your way. He will send his angel. He will accomplish his purposes. You can trust him. How does the servant respond? Based on who he knows this God to be and what he's done, he prays to the God who is at work in the world. And he asks this God, will you be at work here? Will you indeed please prosper my way? He's relying and trusting in this God to work and move and to be active here back in, uh, in Ur. Um, he's constantly reflecting on who God is, on His covenant faithfulness, and that's informing how He acts. He prays because He knows God is at work in the world. He's accomplishing His purposes. Notice how much th- this comes up. Um, just, just after this. So He begins to pray. He's confident that, that God is at work in the world. Look what happens in 15. Before He had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the father of Nahor, or the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. Oh, it just so happens. In the midst of him praying and asking God to be at work, a girl shows up. Not just any girl. One of Abraham's family. The very people that This servant was sent back that Abraham said, God will prosper your way and be faithful. God is at work. And uh, he he goes on. In verse 21, as he uh, is watching what's going on, as he's praying and seeing the way that Abraham, that Rebecca's responding in light of the prayer that he's, he's asked. He's intent and he's focused in verse 21. It says, The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether Yahweh had prospered his journey or not. That, 
That terminology is coming up over and over and over again through this passage about God prospering his way, about God leading him in the way, about God being at work. You see, the assumption of Abraham, the assumption of the servant, the assumption of the narrative of the narrator is that God is at work in the world. And because God is at work in the world, we respond and act by praying and asking him to be at work and doing it and recognize he is a God who is at work in the world. Uh, the servant continues to go through these things. He, uh, in verse 27, now that as he figures out who Rebecca is, he recounts to Rebecca and confesses to her the same pattern. Who God is, what he's done. Notice what he says in his prayer. The man bowed down his head and worshipped Yahweh and said, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and faithfulness towards my master. As for me, Yahweh has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Here he's recounting. How God has been active in the past in Abraham's life, but he doesn't stop there because now what? The servant's beginning to experience relationship with this God. He's experiencing God's activity in the world and his presence in his own life. Let me tell you about the God that I serve. Let me tell you about how he's been active in the past, who he is, this covenant God who keeps his covenant and his promises, how he is faithful in my master Abraham's life. And let me share with you about how he has been faithful in my life. And he, he worships. And it continues to go on. This guy can't get enough of commenting and reflecting on and expanding on how God has been at work and how faithful he is. Notice when, we, when he gets down to the family, he tells them again. And this same pattern comes out in verse 34 and following. I'm Abraham's servant. Yahweh has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He's given him all this. And he goes on. He tells him about how God provided Sarah with the birth of Isaac in his old age in fulfillment of these covenant promises. Um, he recounts it all to this family who is here. And how do they respond in the end? Uh, in verse uh, 42, he says, I came today to the spring and said, O Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. And he goes on. Well, when he gets down, this is how they respond. In verse 50, they say, as they reflect on what he has just told them, this thing has come from Yahweh. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Here he is. He is as he's expressing and communicating the character of this God, who he is, what he's done, as he's sharing it with other people, they respond in recognizing what has been going on here is that God is indeed the one who has been at work. And uh, over and over, they keep saying, it's from the Lord, it's from Yahweh. He has spoken. All of what's been going on is because of the Lord being at work. The Lord has indeed, as we see in verse 56 and following, God prospered the way of the servant. So we're seeing a journey of faith 
with this servant. As Abraham communicated God's character, his history in the past, his promises, and encouraged the servant to act, the servant acts. The servant, as he begins to experience God's character, he's experiencing how he's active in the world and what he's done in the past, what he's done in his life. He communicates it to other people. And he's beginning to act in light of the promises of God by praying, by sharing and communicating these things with other people. Now it goes a step further. Look at the effect it has. How does Rebecca respond? The one who has heard him say this. Remember in verse uh, 27, when he was speaking, he was praying to God and worshiping God, but she was there and heard it. Because it says in verse 28, she ran and told her mother's household all about these things. Uh, The family, this whole idea of Rebecca leaving this land of Abraham's kindred around Haran, where, remember, where Abraham settled and stopped on his way to Canaan, and he stayed there for a long time. He's coming back. They're asking, can our daughter go back and marry Isaac? And they're like, "Uh, it's from the Lord. We're not going to speak good or bad. But you know what? We don't really know if we want to let her go now. Why don't you let her stay at least 10 days, depending on the way you translate and understand that that that's a a phrase that's used in Hebrew. It could mean they could have actually been saying something. uh, It could have been like slang for up to a year. Um, And he's like, no, don't delay me. God has prospered my way. And they're like, well, we'll ask her. So get this. Here's this woman, Rebecca. What did we learn about Abraham and his family prior to this? Earlier on. Are they worshiping the covenant God? No. They're worshiping the moon gods. In fact, that's reflective of Laban's name. Rebecca's brother named after one of the moon gods. So here comes this random guy with a bunch of camels and stuff and says, hey, I want you to leave the land you're in and follow me and go to the land that God has called my, my, uh, my master to go. Will you come? In light of this servant telling her about who God is, about how he has been active in the past, about his promises to Abraham, she responds by doing what? Acting in the present. And look what she says. Will you go with this man, they say in 58. She says, I will go. Moses is making a comparison here for us. Of the way that Rebecca responds to the call to leave her land and her family and go to the land that God's called Abraham. She's responding the same way. She is responding in faith. So now here... We see it continue. Abraham recounts who God is and what he's done and how he's faithful to his servant. The servant begins to experience that. And when the servant encounters Rebecca, she shares with her. He shares with her who God is, how he's been faithful, what he's done. We see each of them beginning to act. God is at work in all of this, bringing out his fulfilling his promises, working in the lives of people. God is at work in this story. God is fulfilling His promises. He's moving His mission of rescue and restoration along. What what about us? Well, we have the opportunity to participate as well. 
we have the opportunity to participate in this unfolding story of God's redemption. Notice what ha- what's happening. Remember, what has God promised? Abraham, I'm going to bless you that you will be a blessing. Through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. In the midst of Abraham's knucklehead thinking and all of his unfaithfulness and his doubt to the Lord, the Lord's been faithful to work in his life. Walking with this guy, we've seen Abraham's struggles, we've seen his failures, now we see a man who's faithfully depending and resting on the Lord and walking with him. But this servant, he's not related to Abraham. He's one of the nations. So get this, in the midst of Abraham's unfaithfulness, as he's been struggling with and walking with the Lord, he applied the covenant promises to this guy. The servant knows of the good news. He knows who this covenant God is. He's witnessed Abraham walking with this God. And Abraham, you could say Abraham's been discipling this guy. So much so that when it gets this time and it's time for him to go out, this guy's learned what it looks like to walk faithfully with God, to rest and remember who he is, how he's acted in the past, and what he's done. So that he begins to move forward. You see, you and I are all benefits of the fact that this is the way God works in the world. We've seen here, the God of the earth is at work. He's accomplishing all of his purposes in this world. Nothing happens outside of God working and acting. This has this been the case through this. God will prosper his way. God will prosper his way. This is what the Lord did. This is who he appointed. Scripture affirms this throughout as it goes forward. In fact, one of the psalmists would write uh, that um, our days are written down even before any of them have even happened as far as what's going to happen and what's going to take place. God's will and His plan is an intention. Uh, Not not a sparrow will will die or fall without it being out of the Lord's plan. Not, Not a hair even. An insignificant hair will fall from your head without it being in the plan of the Lord. In fact, even the greatest tragedy, a glorious tragedy, Jesus was handed up because of the direct plan and foreknowledge of God. He's carrying it all out. God is at work in the world. The way He's carrying on His mission, though, is through using His people. He's using Abraham to accomplish this. And he's called us to participate in it. You and I are beneficiaries of God's working this way. Of more and more people experiencing the blessings of knowing this God. And of more and more people walking faithfully with God. Which looks like this. Continuing to reflect on who he is and his character. Remember what God called Abraham to do. He said to do righteousness. To walk with me. To live it out. To demonstrate what it looks like to walk with this God. To communicate His character. We live in the world constantly informed and motivated by who God is. That's why we do what we do in this world. Reflect on how He's been active in the past. And acting in response to that in in the future. That, That means that for us to walk faithfully with our God... We need to constantly be reflecting and understanding who He is. Understand His character. Because when 
the struggles of this world come up and the struggles of this life come up, this is what it looks like to walk faithfully with God. We got to know who he is. That's why God's given us his word to reveal to us who he is. We have to know our family stories. If you are trusting in Jesus, do you know this isn't just the history of Israel? This is your history and my history. We've been adopted into God's family. That means not only are we were seeing here how God has been faithful in the past, we have the whole rest of Scripture to recount and remind us of that, of how it continues, not just with Abraham, but with Isaac, with Jacob, with Israel, with David, with Jesus. But not just that. You and I, like the servant, have the opportunity to enter into the story and experience how God is at work in our lives. Are we reflecting regularly on the way that God is at work in your life and my life now? Even in ways that we might doubt and question. Can he be at work there? Is he at work here? Yes. Yes. That's what the scriptures affirm to us. God is at work. He is the God of heaven and the God of earth. And he's carrying out his will in your, in your life. That means whatever you've experienced in the past and whatever you're going to encounter in the future, you can know God is at work. And we act based on that. That's why we're going to have to be men and women of prayer. Because God works and He acts in this world. Therefore, in response to that, we don't just sit back and say, oh, well, if a sparrow falls whenever God wants it to, and a hair falls out, and God's going to accomplish His purposes, then I'm just going to sit back and it'll happen as it happens. No. Because of who God is and what he's done in the past and what he's going to do in the present and in the future, we act and respond now through prayer, through engaging and sharing our story with others of communicating who this God is, because that's the way the blessing comes to the nations. That's the way others get to experience being a part of this grand story of rescue and restoration. We get to participate in discipleship, in evangelism, or in other words, in doing righteousness and walking before God. You see, what we're seeing here is a picture of what it looks like to be in a relationship with God, to realize who He is and reflect upon that, to remember what it is that He's done in the past, culminating with Jesus coming to die, to redeem us. Is that not the promise we, they, they're all waiting for? For the promised one to be sent. We have the privilege of looking back on that. And in the midst of the struggles that we're facing, the fears and concerns that we have of is God at work, how to move forward, the way that we uh, ground ourselves and are able to live faithfully in the present is by keeping hold of of God and who He is, His character, His work, His promises, knowing that they're going to be fulfilled and they're going to work. He's called us to be a part of this. He's blessed us to experience His work in the world and His work in our lives. The call is by His grace and His mercy for us, like the servant, like Rebecca, 
to continue the story on, to live in relationship with God and to share and communicate it with others because he's at work. You can, you can participate in evangelism with confidence because you know God will redeem his sheep. You should participate in evangelism with confidence and with urgency because the way, the means by which God has ordained for the lost to come to faith in Him is through you and me sharing and communicating it to them. We should train up and communicate and disciple others. Why? The means by which God has laid that out is for you and me to pass on to other generations, to those who come to faith in Jesus, to those who are around us, to remind us and encourage us. Don't, don't be led astray. Don't give up. Persevere. Move forward. Don't you remember who God is? Let me share with you what He's done in the past. We can trust His promises in the future as we look and await for Jesus to return. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your work in the world. We thank You that You are a living and active God who is uh, um, doing great things even as we speak when we might not even be aware or able to see or discern it? Would you drive deeper into our hearts who you are, your character, how you've been at work in the past, that we might rest and rely on your promises to act and live out faithfully now uh, in the present. In Christ's name, amen.